Hey everybody, it's Karina from We Should Record This. Nicole and I are here and we are bringing you our second episode of season two. And we are in the middle of, you know, another circumstance, a global circumstance with the COVID-19 um, pandemic. It's been a long time since the world has seen an actual pandemic and it's just causing a lot of fear and anxiety and really odd social behavior like toilet paper hoarding and things like that. So we're going to look back on this one day and I really hope we're going to laugh at the and sort of go how we learned how to do better in in this uh, when these kind of things happen. But I think the truth is there are often circumstances in our life globally, personally, where we have things that happen that we feel out of control and we feel nervous or there is risk or there is danger, whether it's perceived or actual, we have this feeling of things are dangerous and unknown. And so we just wanted to come and talk about a few of the common, uh, maybe Christian responses or phrases that get thrown around that we want to invite us to be careful with. And we want to also maybe have a discussion around how we can understand things maybe in a new way that, that puts us more into the camp of um, connecting with one another in loving ways and with, with a God who is loving and how that actually works itself out in our lives. So um, Nicole, I'm going to bring it over to you and ask you just to get the conversation started here and we'll, we'll see where it takes us. So welcome to this episode on, what do we want to call it? Is God really in control? How do we fear not? Maybe those are some potential titles. Possibly, yeah, and the fine line of our faith and what that means. I think at the heart of, of our conversations is our own personal faith renovation journeys that have been um, sparked by our understanding of who God is. And I've talked before, and I'll probably talk again about it. Um, but growing up in a very Pentecostal context, my young years and my first impressions of faith were very militarized, for mm. lack of a different word, I don't know. But, you know, learning onward Christian soldier, and I'm in the Lord's army, and we have these weapons of, you know, and shields and, like, sort of the spirit and, and all these things are true and written in the Bible. And, and they, there are things there that, um, I don't know, that hold truth and goodness in them. But I think that they've also been written through the lens of humanity and what, what our understanding of strength and power and might is mm -hmm. at different points throughout history. And I think one of the biggest eye openers for me, as I continue to read um, the Old Testament is is questioning in the back of my mind always is what I'm reading a parable, a story, the actual historical truth mm -hmm. is it interpreted by is it written from the perspective of humanity that was in a very war based society and conquering and domination? Is it really the true nature of God or is it the nature of God filtered through? 
our frailty and our inconsistent nature of humankind. And all of that then leads to, if we look at the Bible and we hold tight to the truth, quote unquote, whatever, that God is always in control. What does that mean then? Like, is, is God a jerk? Does he mean harm for us? Like if he's in control right now, I'm going to give him a failing grade because what's happening in the world isn't kind and good. And it isn't, doesn't speak to a God who continually says, I will be your God. You'll be my people and we'll do this thing together. Right now he's cranky. And it seems like maybe we're being punished. If he's in control, then if everyone's, you know, getting sick and freaking out over toilet paper, maybe he doesn't love us. Like he says. Yeah. Or the flip of that is maybe we're reading this wrong and we're not understanding what he means by being in control. Right. I think uh, it's good for us to look at when are we throwing down that phrase? Because I know a lot of times where, where I hear it in my world, at least, is we'll throw down the God is in control card when people are sharing things that are emotionally difficult. And it kind of is, so it's, it's like, it's a way of telling somebody to stop talking in a nice way <laughs> of going, you know, they might be being like, oh, I'm so disappointed. This thing got canceled and I'm so scared because this thing is happening. It's like, well, God's in control. And it's like the holy shut up. Like it's, it just is, it is. And I think, I think we need to stop and reevaluate because when we interpret God as being in control, meaning God is controlling, he is the ultimate chess master moving pieces around and he's making things happen to accomplish his glory. I feel like we can do better. I want to invite us to consider that God is not a petulant three-year-old trying to get his own way or he pitches global fits and sends. I know you can read your Bible to make it sound like God does that. And this is the importance of interpreting and questioning interpretations that we've been given. So I want to suggest that when we say, first of all, we stop using God is in control as a way of a holy shut up. Like, you know, it's like shut up with a cute dress on. Be like, yeah, I feel awkward with your emotional reality right now. And rather than just being with you in that, I'm wanting to go, stop it. This is making me feel anxious. Stop it. I feel sad. I'm having all these discomfort in my emotions right now. So while God's in control, we need to stop that. But but what we can offer is we can remember that when God is in control, I think what that means is God is always in control of God's self, which means that we can know that there is nothing that we go through, no emotion we can express, no experience that we have where God will lose control of God. And, and the invitation, I think, is for us to remember that what we're given is uh, the, 
gift of developing a spirit of self-control. That's one of the ways we're made in God's image is that we have the ability to grow in self-control because God is one who is always in self-control. And so we can trust God to never fly off the handle. We can trust God to never run away because he or she feels uncomfortable. We can trust God to always be in control of God's self. So because of that, when someone is sharing something that makes us feel difficult, awkward, we can just go, okay, what is God like in this situation? God is going to be a calming presence. God is going to remind us that we're here for you, <laughs> no matter what you're feeling right now. So instead of going, God's in control, stop it we can maybe stop saying God is in control and instead start embodying the beautiful presence that God wants to remind us of here on the earth. And I think that's key is that understanding that God doesn't get offended by our emotions or our questions or our fears or our concerns he's he's not going to pitch a fit over these things and i think that when we live in a fear-based faith and a fear-based context of the world it robs god of the ability to love us the way he wants to not because he won't but because we can't receive it right and it robs us of the opportunity to experience real peace because how can how can god be the god of peace when he throws tantrums all the time like those things can't coexist right and i think that sometimes when out of our own anxiety or fear or confusion or lack of understanding we throw things like don't be afraid and god is in control and you know, he's got the whole world in his hands and all of those church isms because we can't face the possibility of mystery and the possibility of bad things do happen. And, you know, like there's still an and, like, and God is still with us. Mm -hmm. And God is still near. And God still loves us. And God still protects us. And he's still is present. And I think that sometimes the context of a militarized God and a, and a militarized faith, we want to build walls between us and them and between the things that happen in the world and our righteousness. And those things are not mutually exclusive. We can be righteous and loved by God and crap can still happen in the world. And it doesn't mean that someone's about to turn to a pillar of salt and the world's going to open up and swallow a city. Like there, are, there's things in between and <laughs> that's where God is. And, and you know what? He is in those places where it's really messy and terrible and there's natural consequences for human decision. He doesn't turn his back even in those times. And he certainly doesn't turn his back on those of us who are watching things unfold and have anxiety and questions and, wonder what in the world is going on mm -hmm. i think we can maybe 
uh, disabuse ourselves, so to speak, of this militarized God complex. Because when, when we read that Jesus emptied himself of power, I don't think what he emptied himself of was his godness. I think what he emptied himself of was our perceptions of what power is like. He yes. emptied, he, Jesus emptied himself of the, the right to, of xenophobia. He, he emptied himself of racism. He emptied himself of dominance. He emptied himself and filled up on the true power of the kingdom, which is self-emptying, other-centered, radically forgiving love. And that is the power of God. It's not, oh, he was really weak. Um, and then one day he's going to come back in military power. I think that's a really poor, non-Christ-like interpretation of what the, the power of God looks like. I think we can put, we, we can understand that better. We can do better. And we can understand that Jesus shows us what God is like and God being in control looks like other centered, radically forgiving, self-giving love for other people. So we don't need to slap a God's in control to make us stop complaining and feel better. We need to use this concept that God's always in control and, and always a presence that we can connect to without fear because there's nothing that we can bring to the equation that will cause God to stop being God's self. It's like one of my kids and I were having a discussion the other day and, and he was saying, God isn't an agent of love. God isn't an agent of peace. God is peace and God is love and God is self-control. So that is the thing that can give us ultimate hope is that no matter what we're feeling, because even when we look in the Bible, we can see that there are times when Jesus felt really intense emotion. Like, and, and there are times when he felt alone, when he felt really sad and it had nothing to do with God's presence or ability. It just was like part of the human experience. And so maybe we can be a little kinder and hold a little more space for one another to be feeling anxious right now or to be having a response that we wish we could feel different, but we're just feeling the way we are right now. And you know what? God's there in that. And he's not wishing that you would stop doing what you're doing. I think we could stop doing what we're doing if we would let ourselves reconnect to an unconditional love source. And understand that there is no, I don't know, I have this mental image of, of you know, sort of walking a fence line. Mm -hmm. And that's the line of our faith where we're living in this harmony and this understanding of, of who God is. Now, we have this fear of falling off the fence and having spikes and thorns and lions and tigers and bears, oh my, eating us up. And that's our own guilt and condemnation and our fear of doing the wrong thing and suffering like God-sized seismic punishment 
for fear or doubt or insecurity or even illness or whatever it is. What if, what if the fine line of our faith is actually a lot wider than we think and there are no pokey things at the bottom. It's just God actually catching us and saying, okay, you know, you had a stumble. Oh, well, let's get you back on the track and let, and remember I'm the one who caught you and it was fine. I think that sometimes we ascribe the worst nature of parenting to God. Yeah. And, um, you know, we were joking before about how I didn't cope well when my kids woke me up in the middle of the night. No, me neither. Like it basically the rule was unless your head's on fire and you can't put it out yourself, <laughs> don't wake me. Like, yeah. mm. but please try, please try yourself first. <laughs> I, I ascribe to the same type of parenting. <laughs> right. I think after you have a couple of kids, you realize they're a lot more resilient. They yeah. don't. Yeah. Like, you know, it's fine. But we ascribe our worst instincts to God as his everyday mode of relationship with us. Mm-hmm. And that's so backwards. Mm-hmm. And you know, when we, even when we talk about fear not, because that's a thing too right now, well, there is a certain level of anxiety and panic and yeah. an instinctual like am I doing enough to be safe and to provide for my family and take care of my own and whatever? And then, you know, the social medias are covered in those like fear not God says, and don't be afraid. And, and unhelpfully a pastor a couple of weeks ago posted this thing on Instagram that because God says we're not to be afraid when we are afraid we're sinning. Not true. Right. When your kid comes to you afraid of a thunderstorm do you scream at him, fear not, in anger and and terror to calm him? Yeah. No. You show that there's no need to be afraid because you're present and you're bigger and stronger and you have more experience understanding that this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. And although you are afraid in the moment, and that's okay because I'm unafraid. And there is this invitation to borrow your bravery from someone who's weathered the storm before right and that's what god is offering to us when he's saying fear not he's not screaming it holding a bolt of lightning over your head to test whether or not you trust him right he's opening his arms with kindness and love and this invitation of security yeah i think that when we picture that that it's a command I, I i grew up feeling like i heard that a lot god commanded us not to be afraid god commanded us to do this and again i think that's a, a militarized god that um but i want to just ask us to consider that what if those words are an invitation what if we pictured a God that when we experience pain and hurt and fear and suffering, that he is an ever-present, secure foundation and a presence that we can go to. It's like, if you're afraid, come to me and fear not because I 
am with you. I, I, I will be present. I won't harm you in, in your fear. I won't shame you in your fear. What, what if, what if it's like in Ephesians where it, it's God, really all of those things are invitations to experience how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. So how do we enter into with that mindset instead of going, I need to figure out how to stuff down my fear and stop my anxiety and pretend it's not there and shove it down because God's really disgusted by my fear and he would like to turn his back from me. And I, we, can, we can let go of that. We can say, yeah, that's what we're like sometimes because when people are afraid, guess what it does? It triggers our own sense of fear in us and we want that to stop any way possible. Or when someone is sad, it triggers our own grief in us. And we want that to stop because sadness will always tell you that it's never going to stop if you start. But how wide, how deep, how high is the love of God? That's the God that's saying, don't be afraid. I can't run out of love. There's nothing you can bring me that, that I will stop being a secure and calm presence no matter what you're going through, no matter what life is throwing at you, that's, that's a different posture than you better, you better stop being afraid. Cut it out. Smarten up. Mm -hmm. I think too, when we have this militarized God perspective and the Bible throughout talks about fortresses and shields and armor and walls and, and all of these things, we, can tend to get this perspective that God is the, the bracing point between us and everybody else, mm -hmm. between those of us who are inside and those of us who are outside. And I don't think that's how it's meant to be. In fact, I'm going to say that's not, that's not God's nature. Mm-hmm. Is his nature is not to have anyone on the outside. Right. Anyone who wants in, anyone who wants to know him, anyone who wants to be near Jesus, there is enough room. So his defenses aren't against other people. Yeah. It's against the things that really do undo us, which actually come from inside of us. Yeah. It is our, our own festering fear and cyclical thoughts and when we don't have a place to stop and we don't have a place to ground ourselves those things can become our own undoing it was yesterday i went to the grocery store mm -hmm. and um i have been avoiding it since all of the medias have been reporting yeah. the frenzy and chaos and mayhem there and i don't like going to the grocery store anyway our kids are really afraid of being quarantined not because of a disease, but they're pretty sure we're going to die of starvation if we have to be like in our own house for any length of time because I don't keep groceries. Right. Um, so, but I went to the grocery store and I went to our little neighborhood one that normally isn't too busy and it's pretty low key. I pulled into the parking lot and it was like jam packed and I went inside and I couldn't find 
a cart or a basket at first. And I'm like, oh, good grief. And it was my regular Friday night run. So I just went to the frozen food section and bought a flat of juice and picked up eight frozen pizzas because that's how my kids live through the weekend. And this guy, this woman stopped me. She's like, oh, is this how you're getting through? Like, is this what you're stocking up on? I'm like, no, this is what my kids will consume in the next 24 hours. Like, yeah. you know, I don't have, but in my couple of minutes of grabbing things, seeing other people load up their carts with huge bags of rice and flats of pasta and, and sauces and canned goods. And I start to feel panicky. I'm like, oh, oh my goodness. Like what, what if, and maybe I need to get this and maybe I need to get that. And when I literally stopped in the middle of the grocery store and I'm like, cool it. Like it'll be okay because it wasn't anything happening around me that was a threat to me in that moment. It was what was happening in me that was threatening my peace and my sense of trust and um, okayedness in the world. Yeah. And everyone is doing their own thing and doing what they think they need to do in order to feel secure right now. So I'm not making a judgment call on, on them. I'm saying what is happening in me is it true to who I am? And is it true to my relationship with God and my understanding of his provisions and nature and goodness and faithfulness to me? And is it true to really what my circumstances are? Because I don't, I don't think that we're in an apocalyptic moment right here that we have to mm-hmm. doomsday ourselves into a bunker and forget our own humanity and ignore the humanity of the people around us. But fear and the pressure to fear not will make us do loopy things that are counter to our relationship with Jesus. Yeah. I think that that process of checking in with yourself is a really, really powerful way to fear not. It's one thing to toss around fear not like it's just supposed to happen to us it's sort of like have blonde hair and it's like okay how do i do that like i think everybody can get blonde hair eventually there's a process for everybody (laughs) available right we can bleach it and we can tone it i mean this is just a it's probably well it's a very female (laughs) way of of describe but it sometimes it feels like that fear not is just supposed to be like wake up with a blue head and, and you're just like, okay, I'm trying really hard. Is it blue yet? And it's like, yeah, you're eventually going to stop breathing. That's the only way. Like, it's just, this is not going to be helpful. Like, so sometimes if we could stop and go, how do we move through fear so that we can experience God's presence, so that we can experience love? I think same as slapping God is in control and fear not. If we're not going to bring human presence and compassion and care and not have to have answers to be able to sit and just go, I believe that you feel afraid. I believe that you're anxious. So often, so much of what we don't want to be a part of is because it's been minimized for us. So we want to minimize it for others. And if we can just hold on to our discomfort and go, I believe that you feel that way. That is one of the most fear quelling things because it would let a person just feel like, okay, I'm safe to share my emotion. I feel really afraid, but now I'm seen 
Now somebody's with me. Now I don't feel alone. And now that I don't feel alone, the fear has really shrunk down to a manageable size. And now I can go, you're right. I don't need whatever to respond in this way. And like the, for the shopping thing for us is I, I just, you know, you see this, everybody's going to do their thing. And it is the initial responses. I better join the panic. Cause even well, if I'm not panicked, you texted me saying that you felt shame going to buy toilet paper and it's because we actually needed it and there's six butts in this house that need wiping and I was like I added some this was a little bit before the frenzy this was about 10 days ago you still get toilet paper yeah yeah so and and I I was like I'm just gonna do what I normally do for our family we're a family of seven but our daughter is away at university so I don't need to account for her toilet paper. And so I, I walked in the store and, but you, I tell you, you show up and all of a sudden you see that the aisle is mostly empty and you want to panic. So I had to provide my own self presence in that moment and going, you're feeling panicked, but you know what? It's okay. There actually isn't a pulp and paper shortage. So there will not be a toilet paper shortage so you can just go about your daily activities and do whatever is normal for your family. And so I did that. And then a few days later, I'm like, I normally, because it helps me survive, do a two week dinner meal plan. So I just did that and did my things for that. But boy, is it tempting when you lose that connection with yourself and that connection with love and you start paying attention to all the panic it's really, uh, it's a real thing. And so I don't want to fault people that are, are, are doing that. But I'm saying there is, there are some things that we can do that are way gentler than fear not. Don't be afraid. Quit buying more toilet paper. It's like, oh, let's be present and just allow that people are feeling afraid and we don't know what to do. And I, I, I hope that we can, uh, we have a community group. And in fact, if you don't have a community Facebook group for like your street, your neighborhood, could I just recommend that you send little cards to your neighbors? Don't go knocking and coughing and sneezing in their faces. But it, it actually was, it felt good to be able to come home and in our neighborhood group, just say, hey, can we, I just want you to know that I'm committed to like being there for the community. And I know we can't gather, but we can be there for one another. So if somebody is quarantined and needs something here, we are some, like, let us be people that will one another you meet needs for you because we do belong to one another. Even if we don't know each other deeply, let's just start putting out ways of bringing presence and we're here for one another. And like, if the stores run out of toilet paper, I have a role I will share. Like, it's just, um, let, let's start going, how do we not fear? And it's by staying connected to love and acknowledging the truth of what's going on without shame, without judgment, because that's how God, in God's secure, ultimate source of love and peace and joy and goodness, no matter what storm is going on around, that's the way God does it. So let's keep ourselves connected to God and then go, let's try and 
find our centered selves and bring that to the measure that we can to people around us. And that might be just the people living in your house. You might be able to create a neighborhood Facebook group, but we can be a presence of peace, not because we always feel peaceful, but because we're like, I can connect to it. I can, I can allow my panic, which then makes room for peace. For sure. And I think, you know, this whole thing about the toilet paper is ridiculous, mm-hmm. but it is a very good teachable moment. And it is that, you know, either you are fearful and then you feel shame or you force yourself not to participate and you have low key anxiety on are you doing this right? Are you making the right decisions? Are you being foolish or prepared? Or like, there's all of these levels of confusion. And I think it's important what you said about showing up for each other and saying that you, you see the anxiety, but to take it even one step further and say, I recognize you can't help this. I can't help this. There are people in our world and in our lives that have anxiety disorders and they have chronic anxiety and mental health issues that right now they are they're fighting for their own stability in the midst of a really triggering situation where people who don't have chronic mental health issues are fueling the craze right yeah and i'm trying to be careful with my language because I think it's important that, you know, we acknowledge that we see it and we acknowledge that people can't help the anxiety that they feel, but we as, as a community can say, what can I do to help you find stability, even though this is our current situation? Mm -hmm. I have a really good friend and we're going to have her on at some point. Her name's Shaylee. Um, Oh, she's your friend too. I'll let you have her also, <laughs> Karina. My friend too, guys. Um, but she does a lot of advocating for people with mental illness. And she talks a lot about anxiety and how to cope. And she, we were speaking with her this morning. And she did a really beautiful job about talking about the story she allows herself to carry and how present she is in the world right now and how she's learning to trust herself and trust God to hold her while she holds all of these other things. And I think that's where we can return to the idea of that God is our fortress. Like he is, he is our security and he is our shield, but not to isolate us, but to allow us to engage in community in the way that he designed us to be. And I think that when we switch that narrative so that the fortress isn't actually keeping people out, it's, it is a, personal bubble to allow us to go in deeper and um that's where we can actually see feel hear and be the presence of god in the midst of darkness Mm -hmm. and and in the midst of these things that are fear inducing and i just want to i think it's beautiful the idea of showing up in your community and um there's a woman in our city who her husband's a professional athlete so he's kind of well known and she put out on twitter that 
you know, they don't have any kids and they have a couple of cars. And if you're shut in or you have anxiety or you're elderly to text her or tweet her and she will come and run errands for you or with you and be present because this is what she's capable of. Mm -hmm. My husband works in a community organization who has said, you know, we have this open house area here. If you can't get to us, let us know and we will come and bring you some fresh fruit and veg and we can help you source the cleaning products you need or whatever. There's people who are showing up and it's, as Mr. Rogers says, right? Look for the helpers yeah. and acknowledge yourself as a helper too and, and be present where you can. Yeah, I think that is this, this idea that we, we get to, we get to show up for ourselves and we get to show up for one another right now. And, and if we feel afraid, that's okay. We're not bad people for being afraid. We're human people and it's okay to be human. God has never asked us to get rid of our humanity in any of this. And in fact, I think it's when we embrace our full human experience that we actually can access that divine source of love that is more than we could hope for. And so I think, um, I wonder if in closing, Nicole, I know you kind of had a meditation for us or a, a thought that you wanted to leave us with out of Psalm 91. And I'm so excited to hear it because Psalm 91 can be weaponized to use as a, we're going to fight against whatever it is. And um, I think that I'm, I'm ready to understand it differently. I'm ready to hear it in a way that is going to remember who we are and how God is. And so if you would wrap up today's um, session with that, that would be great. We love hearing your comments, your questions. We love it, of course, when you like and share the podcast with other people. Um, and we look forward to continuing this, bringing hopefully some new guests here in the future that will share the platform with us so we can keep moving through understanding the way that we belong to one another and how we can serve one another best in this time when we're actually losing a little more context than is, than is normal for most people in most parts of the world. So Let's keep being a positive presence and remember that discomfort won't kill us. Emotional discomfort won't kill us. We don't need to stop conversations with, well, God's in control or just don't be afraid. Um, we can process with people. And, and I think I'm looking forward, Nicole, to how you're going to land the plane for us today. And we look forward to being with you guys again really soon. So take it, Nicole. All right. I would invite you to just exhale and no pressure to release tension because we are living in tension, but I want you to open yourself to possibility here. The possibility that maybe God as your fortress isn't to keep others out, but it's to allow you to go in and that perhaps Psalm 91 isn't a psalm of dominance but it's a love song about how god cares for us and how he is present with us and so i'm just going to read little snippets of it i'm not reading the whole thing 
but just meditate and hear these words as if they're a love song. Live under the protection of God's most high. Stay in his shadow. Then you will say to the Lord, you are near. You are my place of safety. You are my God and I trust you. Because God will keep you safe. He will spread his wings over you and keep you secure. His faithfulness is like a shield. You won't need to worry about dangers at night or arrows during the day because you will not be harmed. The Lord Most High is your fortress and you can run to him for safety. The Lord says, if you love me and truly know me, you know that I will rescue you and I will keep you safe. When you are in trouble, you can call out to me. I will always answer you and I will always be there to protect you and honor you. You will live a long life and see my faithfulness all the way through. God honors your cry for help. He honors your fear. He honors your need for him. And he will never shame you for it. And I just, my prayer for you this week and, and going forward is that you know that he is your safe place to land and that there's a community around you, community that we're hoping to build here and be a part of that is present to cheer you on. And um, peace be to you.